the New Zealand Tech Podcast. Brought to you by Gorilla Technology. Proactive and strategic IT. Greetings and welcome along to the New Zealand Tech Podcast. I'm Paul Spain. And I'm Regan Murphy. Thank you for joining the show, Regan. Great to see you. Thanks for having me again. Now, uh, maybe you can just remind listeners where you fit into this world of, uh, of tech in New Zealand. Cool. So uh, aside from being you know, a big gadget fan and tech lover of every angle, um, I work for Microsoft New Zealand and I am part of the Developer Experience and Evangelism Group. You guys are always coming up with all these big long names, although I've, I have heard a lot worse within some companies, so can't complain too much. Yeah, so I'm, I'm, I'm a technical evangelist as well, which is kind of a cool, cool title, um, but pretty much that means that um, you know, I'm talking to companies and, and others about you know, some of the cool tech that, uh, that we're doing at Microsoft um, and in the industry in general. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, my interactions with you over the years, you're always, uh, you know, pretty well across what's going on in the broader tech world. And I suppose that's that's pretty important for the sort of discussions you have. If you're not up to the play on what uh, the whole industry is doing, then uh, it, it probably becomes reasonably hard to get, uh, you know, too excited about what Microsoft are doing. So you have to see it in context. So, um, yeah, it's yeah, cool. Definitely. Well, let's uh, let's jump in. We've got uh, we've got quite a few topics to talk about today. I want to talk around some changes in Australia and Singapore around uh, what's happening in the mobile worlds there, which yeah, maybe you know, has some relevance to us here. What Cadillac are doing in the in the US in terms of mapping out the uh, the highway systems there and their uh, goals, I would presume to uh, to take on Tesla and other uh, competitors in the worlds of uh, autonomous driving, Tesla and uh, what's coming up from them in terms of trucking, a Russian Robocop that's been shown off on uh, on video. Um, now, this will be one of those rare occasions where we add in a little bit more content for uh, for video, uh, video watchers. So those that are catching our Facebook live stream uh, will actually be able to uh, catch that. Uh, now, I should mention for anyone who is uh, watching this via Facebook live that we do recommend subscribing to the audio podcast. So you can get that via a podcast app on your uh, whatever smartphone platform you use. If you don't listen to podcasts yet, then um, number one recommendation as you as you should um great for those that do join on video i guess what we tend to find is most people on the likes of facebook are are just watching smaller videos rather than uh, big chunks like this and 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 hence why the audio podcasts are great to listen to while you're commuting exercising or or doing anything else regan when do you listen to podcasts yeah so um i've I've, uh taken up uh you know running probably about a year ago and um that's Pretty much when I'm mostly uh, mostly listening to the podcast, um, I would in the car, but my commute is not that long, so um, you know, an hour odd for a podcast. It's a perfect time for a, for a nice, easy sort of jog and listen and catch up on the tech world. Oh, that's good. Now let's uh, let's jump straight in. First up, this uh, this topic that is uh, related to Tesla. And really, as tends to happen a lot with uh, with the companies that Elon Musk is involved in, uh, we get information drip fed to us um, via Elon Musk's Twitter handle. <laughs> um, An interesting strategy. Yeah, yeah. It's, um, I mean, 
even I've found that the uh, the the communications team or the P, you know uh, public relations team at uh, at Tesla refer back when you're asking them questions about things, they'll refer back to well, Elon tweeted. X, Y, Z. They won't give you any more information. They'll just point at his tweets. So, um, so does everything he say, is, is, does it all happen? Or have there been instances where he said something and not? Uh, well, I mean, I definitely think if you, if you look back over um, over Elon's history, uh, you know, and he's been in in, in the tech field for uh, for you know for a very long time. Um, yeah, sometimes he's. Um, uh, he's more positive than than reality, right? Um, but this this tweet, what he said was, and this was uh, um, just coming into Easter for uh, for us around um, uh, Good Friday, I think our time was Tesla semi truck unveil set for September. Team has done an amazing job. Seriously, next level. So. Um, Semi truck. I mean, for us, it's just just a truck, isn't it? Um, um, yeah, I believe so. Yeah. So, um, so you know, the idea of of Tesla having uh, an electric truck that you know basically can uh, drive itself, and you would imagine uh, travel a reasonable distance on uh, um, on its electric uh, power could be uh, could be pretty fascinating. So. Uh, yeah, so apparently that's coming, and also, so the yeah the full details of that, or you know, they're, they're unveiling set for September. Uh, also, they're going to be doing a um, um, a pickup truck, which in New Zealand we'd call a a Ute, uh, in the next eighteen to twenty four months. So uh, yeah, so it's I mean it's good to see that Tesla are uh, you know not. Just sitting on their laurels and so on, they you know they really have some pretty big ambitions, which is I suppose what you should expect from um, you know from Elon. I mean he's he's all about doing doing crazy stuff, right? Getting to Mars and and the like. So oh, definitely, um, but, but the track's not that crazy, right? I mean, it makes a lot of sense, um, especially if you're talking short haul around cities and things. Yeah, I, I think that you know for the for the long haul, there's there's going to be some challenges in terms of how much or how far you can go on, you know, because you know trucks hauling a big load of freight, maybe you know with a couple of couple of trailers attached, that's going to require a massive amount of uh, amount of juice. And uh, I guess some of the bits and pieces of reading that I saw, you know, were indicating that getting much more than uh, um, I think it was what was a reference was certainly be yeah, 150 k's or or so was going to be uh, was going to be you know somewhat challenging hmm. and then you got the charge time and and so on where you have to stop and 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 charge so yeah there'll be some scenarios that'll work really reasonably well and i mean who knows what they come actually come out with and whether they just stack it up with so many uh, so many batteries that it can go for uh, you know really long distances i don't know well, have you have you seen those road trains over in Australia where they've got a truck with you know multiple carriages behind it? Um, you know, maybe maybe this truck is going to have one of those carriages is just going to be battery, and the other two carrying the cargo. So maybe that's where it's headed. I don't know. Yeah. Well, I mean, I guess if if anyone's got the ability to uh, to build uh, the batteries, then uh, you know Tesla seems to be the the company 
that are uh, that are that are geared up to manufacture more batteries than uh, you know more of these types of batteries than have ever been manufactured before. Uh, and something else that's cool about Tesla is they've released these cars with these batteries, and then they're doing the software upgrades on the cars, which is actually giving you more life out of the batteries. So they're not having to swap out batteries, but they're, they're you know, making improvements, which is making them last longer, and that's pretty cool. Yeah, and there was there was some interesting uh, details that I saw the other day from uh, I think it was one of the governments that was uh, doing some testing of batteries in uh, in electric vehicles. And what they'd found was that when they test a vehicle after it's done 100,000 kilometres, the manufacturer was saying that the battery life officially should have dropped to 85% of what it would be at the start. Mm-hmm. But in their testing, it was, it was dramatically more. It was something like 93%. So yeah, wow. bas- basically having having dropped really only only about half of what was uh, what what the manufacturer was advising which is somewhat unusual we usually expect manufacturers to be um over you know over, over uh no, un- understating, understating things yeah. like this uh rather than uh, you know overstating the decline so yeah mm. who kno- who knows exactly what their testing was but it certainly seems as though the the move to electric vehicles isn't uh, isn't about to slow down i think you know we'll we'll see that uh start increasing a you know a fair bit and the bit that excites me is the idea of having the autonomous capability as well once you throw that in with an electric vehicle yep. and and yeah that's i i presume one of the reasons why there's so much interest in tesla's model 3 is that idea that you can get an electric vehicle at a somewhat reasonable price uh, that also will have a uh, a level of uh, of hands free uh, driving. One one thing I like about the Model Three is um, because it doesn't have a big engine in the front of it. It's also going to have more cabin space. So um, so you know taller people that don't necessarily fit the smaller cars so well. You know maybe they will fit in a in a Model Three a little bit better. Um, so I'm kind of you know, keen to d- explore that part of it. Yeah. So. What have you, now? You told me earlier you you've been driving a new vehicle recently, but you haven't had too much luck with it. What have you been driving? Uh, I've, I've been driving a Mazda CX nine. Um, it's a beautiful vehicle. It's a seven seater, fits all the kids and, and more, etc. Um, I bought this vehicle because the the head unit um, worked great with my uh, my Windows devices. Um, I could I could uh, browse all my music on on my Groove subscription from from the head unit. Um, and and the vehicle itself is great. It, it's also got a little bit of autonomous stuff. Um, I can drive down Dominion Road in, in in an automated mode. As long as I don't have to turn a corner, then then all hell breaks loose. Um, Does it but, pretty? Is it pretty good with that when you're going through rush hour traffic? Yeah. So if you're going if you're going down Dominion Road and and the traffic's going from you know zero to to fifty and up and down, you just set the speed. You you turn on the radar following cruise control, yeah. and it'll basically drive down. It'll stop itself freaks you out the first time you try it so you just, um, it's just adaptive cruise control type uh, type yeah and they've, they've got a radar controlled one so it, it's you know looking at the car in front and judging the distance and speeding up and slowing down etc um but yeah as soon as you go around a corner and it doesn't see somebody in front of you it starts speeding up in a hurry so not not the sort of thing you want to do when you're going around the corner <laughs> Um, but yeah, yeah, problems. Uh, I have had a few problems with it. it. It was a brand new model, so um, I'm assuming that they're just teething issues. Um, but I have had some problems with the screen and, and the car not working properly, which has meant that I couldn't do my Bluetooth, couldn't do my navigation, couldn't even change the radio station. 
Um, so, yeah, yeah, a few little issues there. Yeah, that's not odd. And you mentioned before even some static on the screen that sort of harks back to the old days of TVs and rabbit ears and those sort of things. Yeah, as a tech guy, I look at it and think you know, there's a loose connection there that's fallen off somewhere. Um, but I've taken it in and they've swapped out the computer in it and um, we, we'll see how it goes. All right. Well, good good luck with that. So you think a Tesla might be in uh, in your future depending on uh, depending on what, what tech comes up and what you've already got? Um, yeah, so I'm, I'm one of those people that has a has a deposit on a on a Model Three out there somewhere. Um, unfortunately, not one of those people who could throw that away and then upgrade to the uh, <laughs> the S with ludicrous. Um, but yeah, the, the the Model Three I can definitely see in my future. Um, you know, by the time that comes out, though, there might be several other cars and vehicles and models. Uh, the the Tesla one, you know, you can cancel that and get your money back at any time. So yeah, it's um it's a safe bet. But you know, I'm, I'm up the front of the queue, hopefully, if they do arrive, and, and I am ready for it at the time. Nice, nice. Oh, that's good. Now, um, talking of autonomous uh, car tech, um, Cadillac um, has a new weapon in their uh, quest to compete in this space. Uh, they have you know, basically been, been uh, putting some vehicles on the road in the US and uh, mapping them. I think they're saying they've mapped out 160 thousand miles of uh, of interstate highways um with lidar sensors and so the idea is to build this this map using uh using lidar and that will be a bit a bit of a unique capability uh they have certainly you know compared with uh with tesla who don't um, you know don't use lidar uh technology in their vehicles What's your uh, thoughts on this? Is this uh, a good a good approach? I mean, I guess they've got to do uh, they've got to do something to keep up with the play. And right now, Tesla are um, you know collecting huge amounts of data as their vehicles travel around the US and uh, and other parts of the the world. Yeah, it's um, certainly a pretty cool concept, and, and using that lidar and getting a, a good terrain map of the highways, and I mean that that would solve some of those problems about moving around the corners at the right speed, etc. Um, obviously, if they map it, they've, they've got to, you know, when you're driving down it, you've got to use other technologies alongside it to, to all add together and, and, and make it all work. Um, it was interesting that Tesla didn't use any of that technology in their cars and that they were doing it all off of uh, optical, I believe, um, cameras. Um, but, you know, the approach where you've got to map out the whole thing with LiDAR and it's US only at the stage... That always drags me back to the whole, you know, will it ever roll out further than the US and, you know, when will it come to New Zealand, if ever? And so, uh, yeah, I, I, I struggle to get too excited about that. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, we've seen that with, uh, you know, certain uh, tech companies, <laughs> Microsoft, um, <laughs> sorry, um, that, you know, have have developed technologies, made them available just in the US and, and then either not made them available elsewhere or been, uh, been very, very slow at it. And there's all sorts of yep. reasons for that. And you can understand in this case if they're going around and, and mapping the US, yeah, it would, uh, it would create that challenge of, well, how much work is it to do it in all the other markets and, and how do you do it? And certainly it's, it's nice that you know, right now you can use uh, you know, some of the autonomous capabilities of Tesla pretty much anywhere in the world unless they've uh, they've disabled those things due to you know regulatory uh, types of issues so yeah um, yeah but I you got to say it's it's good to see 
there's ongoing activity and it's not just one company and really the whole industry needs to be uh, pushing forward on this on this stuff the 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 opportunity for Tesla I guess is pretty big if they can move quick enough isn't it it is certainly um, yeah it's a it's a pretty cool space to be going into it's definitely going to be happening in the future it's just a matter of of when um, and interestingly um, Microsoft's in this space a little bit as well um, but what they've chosen to do is actually go down a route where they're not going to build their own autonomous vehicles. Um, they're going to build out back-end systems to collect you know, telemetry and process it and you know, support more than one manufacturer um, at the back-end, at the cloud-end. So they're doing what they're good at and leaving the um, you know, other, other parts of the ecosystem to do what they're good at, which is, which is a cool approach, I think. Yeah, yeah, I think um, it, it makes sense. And uh, realistically, one company probably won't have all the pieces of, of the puzzle Uh yeah, certainly, you know, Tesla have worked with with varying partners to uh, uh, to deliver what they do to date. Um, now, on to another story: um, TPG in Australia um, have spent a whole bunch of money on uh, Spectrum, uh, so the seven hundred megahertz Spectrum, one point six billion um, Australian dollars to basically build a whole new mobile network in Australia. That'll be a fourth network for uh, for Australia. Uh, TPG Group, uh, in the past, I think it was rumoured that they might be looking to buy uh, two degrees. That didn't happen. Um, they've also bought uh, Spectrum in... Singapore. Singapore, yeah. Mm. So um, so it is quite curious, and it, and it does make you wonder... Well, if they're you know doing other bits and pieces around the region, whether they might uh, uh, start looking at New Zealand again at uh, at some point in the future. I mean, that's a that's a big wad of cash to be uh, to be dropping on building a network. They must have quite a bit of confidence in their ability to uh, pull something off and entice people away from the other networks. It's um, certainly interesting. But um, you know, reading that article, one thing I found quite interesting as well. Um, was the fact that they thought that the you know they'd be able to break even with five hundred thousand subscribers. That um that sounds like a lot of money to to get out of five hundred thousand subscribers. Yes, and if we, certainly if we look at what's happened with two degrees, the new network tends to yeah, be a, a challenger of sorts. You're convincing people to leave these existing networks. How do you do that? You've either got to have, uh, well, you've got to have something better, basically, don't you, to convince yeah, people better or cheaper, that, right? That it, that you should move, and often the better is a better price. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so that you know tends in many cases to uh, to leave you with the more budget conscious customers, which is certainly one of the challenges at two degrees have had in New Zealand and you know why I think it was a smart move on their part to be the first mover in terms of launching unlimited um, mobile plans here yeah yeah it's um it's going to be a way of the future I think for sure um it's it's nice to not have to think about things like that you know ordinary consumers don't really like to have to track how many gigabytes they're using and and you know they're not smart enough to know that they need to buy a 10 gig pack um, and then they get a hundred dollar bill. That that, that kind of sucks, really. Yeah, I notice um, Vodafone, who have their you know we 
basically across all the networks now you've got these sort of group sharing plans which generally work really well yep. uh, but you can get an exception where somebody you know blitzes blitzes through a whole lot of data and oh, yeah. impacts the whole group uh, now I haven't tested this across the other networks but certainly what uh, Vodafone have done uh, have done recently is is interesting and in that you can set some individual caps on people and and yep. get sort of a company-wide report on what's happening so if you've got one person going through all the data then that stuff can be pinged through on an email you get to uh, you get a bit more visibility. Um, I guess you know it's a bit more proactive than having to actually go in and have a look and see uh, see what see what's happened. So um, yeah, so I thought that was that was good to see. So still an overhead though, having to manage you know, who's using what. Um, you know, if you look at mobile connections now, most of those company connections, unlimited text, unlimited calling, um, quite often unlimited calling to Australia now and, and possibly further afield. Um, you know. Data is just the next thing there, and and then it just becomes a, a single price commodity, which makes it easy. It does, and it's that easiness is um, is pretty pretty cool actually when you don't have to think about those things. And I'm sure, yeah, at the moment most of those plans are Australia and New Zealand, right? But I would see it not being too far off before they say build in calls to the US and UK and varying yeah. other countries like like you know like we see on uh, some um internet based calling plans and things like that so uh yeah there's still still room for uh, for a bit of bit of uh, upping the ante but a bit more competition which is uh, is good now there's an interesting video that I saw um that I saw online over um, over the weekend, over Easter. Um, and I'd come across this at uh, CNET.com, the headline, Russia shows off robotic gunslinger. Um, and this came from a, a tweet from uh, Russia's deputy prime minister, um, who was uh, you know prou- proudly sharing this footage. And... Um, yeah, it was. Um, it's a little bit scary, I've got to say. Now you saw it as well, Regan. Uh, I did. The yeah. video. The video started out uh, basically with. Um, um, was it like an autonomous you, tank. An was autonomous it? tank. Yeah, that's probably the best mowing down targets. Best way to put it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, mowing, mowing down targets, and. Um, Nice kind of show of power there, and and the rest of it. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty. Um, pretty. Pretty impressive. It's a, t- a tank is a tank, right? You see a tank, you think that's 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 uh, something that you see in battle. It doesn't really, you know, you don't really think about it in the context of you know, where we are, right? Well, we've we've had tanks operating in a fairly similar manner for a really long time, and I, and I guess we we know that the technology has changed. That there are all sorts of things that have been possible, but we haven't yep. seen too many of them put into play, and that's what we see here. And then there's the there's the RoboCop. Um, that's what I'll call him because he, he does look very much like a um, you know like like something out out of RoboCop movies. And um, yeah, pretty freaky looking, right? He's very freaky looking. Um, yeah, uh, but the the thing that's kind of scary about this is that this is kind of a humanoid looking thing. You could you could picture it walking down the street in, in Auckland City, for example. Um, you, you couldn't really picture a tank doing that. So this one makes it, it just that the, the little bit more scary, I guess. 
Yeah, and uh, I mean, you mentioned the, the comment before. We've talked about uh, the Boston uh, Dynamics uh, robots in the past. <laughs> now, this one just sort of seems to stand there, so you're not seeing it sort of, you know, running down the street or, um, you know, and they, they've had their big dog and all sorts of things. But, yeah, mm-hmm. you can imagine a whole lot of variations on, on this, like a big dog with guns uh, <laughs> on its back or the, the humanoid version. Um, I, I don't you know, think racing we, I down don't think the street. Want to imagine it's, this, um, really. <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty worrying stuff, isn't it? In terms of <laughs> what's possible, and uh, you know, you put that into the into the wrong hands. And you know, I'm not I'm not trying to you know um, say anything about the the Russians here um, because I've you know know some very uh, very nice Russians, but um, you know, there there are probably certain elements of uh, the Russian government that I wouldn't be quite so uh, uh, relaxed about uh, putting this sort of power into their hands yeah but um you know at the wrong hands these days it's not necessarily you know the people that have the technology uh you know, every day we're reading about breaches of services um i remember reading about a jeep getting hacked as it was driving down the dro- uh, the road the highway um so the wrong hands could just be something that's connected to a network and somebody else's hands getting in the middle <laughs> so yeah yeah. Of that. Yep. So there are there are, you know certainly certainly a few things to be aware of. So you know I'm sure uh, these things aren't going to get forgotten, and you know we we'll see um, some some balance and legislation, other bits and pieces sort of you know put put in place around who who has these things. But um, yeah, in some parts of the world, I can imagine it, it being pretty uh, pretty worrying. And as you mm. say, once you start uh, start looking at um, Cyber security type issues added into this type of technology, then uh, yeah, you'd, you'd probably be a little bit cautious about where you'd where you'd actually want to put this technology. And um, you know, having it uh, having this sort of thing, say uh, you know, walk through Cathedral Square in Christchurch or uh, Lambton Quay or you know Queen Street and so on. Um, mm. Yeah, let, let's hope we let's hope we don't see the technology in any of those uh, yeah. locations uh, any t- any time soon. But um, certainly, it's it's worth worth a little bit of a look if you're interested in this stuff. Um, and I just I quite like the bit of footage where it looks down and you can see the uh, uh, the empty shells sort of land landing on the ground. Um, very very nice little bit of uh, cinematography. Yeah, beautiful production piece. That, yeah, <laughs> definitely. Um, yeah. Uh, meanwhile, I'm sure uh, some people are, uh, are you know fearing for their lives. So uh, there you go. <laughs> for sure. Yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah, in- interesting times ahead. I think you know some people certainly get a bit worried about this stuff, but you know how do you how do you feel about it? Should should we be um, should we be panicked? I don't think we should necessarily be panicked. Um, I mean, obviously, the intention for this sort of technology is to go into a into a battlefield somewhere that's probably far away from from most of us. Um, I do wonder, you know, if you've got one side sending in robots into a battlefield and other side sending in you know human people. To, to do the same thing, uh, you know, it, where's the ethics in, in doing that sort of thing? Is it is it fair? Should you even be doing that? Um, you know, there's there's ethics against using other types of things. I mean, battles and wars are terrible to start with. Um, there are a few rules there, and I just wonder, you know, whether you know, there's a place even for these sort of things. Um, you know, if, if it's if it's two sides battling robots against each other, that sounds cool, but. You know, one side with with humans, another side with robots. It just doesn't really feel that fair. 
Yeah, you, you, we could probably get into all sorts of intre- interesting <laughs> dis- discussion there. Yeah. And, yeah, I think it would, yeah, they're, they're, we could go We could go down a really deep rabbit hole there. I mean, at the moment, we've had discussion in the media, obviously around Syria, uh, North Korea is, is, you know, a country with huge amount of armed forces and, and in terms of actually, you know, matching the number of people they've got. Um, I guess the one thing yeah, that's, be, that's positive is is that a lot of the technology that we use today has been developed out of um, you know some military kind of projects somewhere along the way, and then you know eventually found its way into mainstream. So into good things. Let's, let's hope that this is you know something that they're testing and building, but never actually is used. And um, you know now we've got a, a robot that helps a, a little old lady across the street or something is is what comes out of it, perhaps. Sounds lovely, Regan. <laughs> Sounds lovely. Is that so you music. get off the hook from helping people and being a nice guy? Oh, no, no, I'll still I'm that, kidding, for I'm sure. kidding. Um, well, moving on to, uh, on to less violent topics. Um, we keep hearing bits and pieces about uh, 5G mobile networks, the next generation. We've heard 2020 is the sort of time frame we should expect this next uh, generation of mobile technology uh, to hit us. But there have been varying trials and, and tests and so on going on in, in certain parts of the world. Uh, the US, there was a story that uh, Verizon, uh, which is one of the big carriers in the US, uh, are basically planning to offer 5G services mid this year uh, in 11 uh, different markets, including uh, Seattle and Washington, D.C., Miami, Houston, Denver, and, um, you know, and a bunch more. Now, these are um, small small pilots so not everybody's going to be able to get on on those uh, those tests and this is not 5g to your mobile handset uh, this is the 5g mobile networks but connecting to a you know a, a sort of a router or a base station uh, presumably in your home or in your business to give you connectivity but they're talking around you know gigabit plus type uh type speed so yeah it's it's interesting because we're really ahead of where um the standards have been finalized or or ratified for 5g um you could say that these trials are a pr stunt uh for uh verizon and uh, samsung who they're partnered with but i guess you could also say that it's actually good that they get out and do some um you know some somewhat real world testing yeah, well, I remember um, you know similar articles about 4G when they were testing that you know well before it was delivered. Um, but I mean, you can't argue that that 4G is great now, and and that you know in circumstances you're getting 100 megabits I mean, to your mobile device, which is pretty awesome. And and you know five years ago we couldn't really picture it being possible. Maybe 10 years ago, you know, we were thinking GPRS and well, we and, weren't getting those sort of speeds <laughs> in our for our home internet connections no. at that stage, were we? No, we weren't. Um, so, uh, yeah, I mean, the wireless technology is awesome. Um, you know, people are saying, you know, um, you don't need fibre anymore because you could do wireless at 100 megs. Uh, well, that's not really true because we know that, you know, if we want to do, you know, full 4K ultra high def streaming, you can't really do that with a 100 meg connection. You need to go to, to fibre if you want to do more than, than just that. Um, you know, maybe 5G um, mobile broadband could mean that you could do that with the mobile broadband. 
Um, sure, maybe maybe don't need fibre for that in the future, um, but but uh, you know not everybody will be able to do this. Um, you know, th- th- there's only so much air that everybody's got to share for this frequency. So um, it'll be a great technology, I think, when it comes out to, to fill in the spaces where fibre can't reach. I don't think it's going to replace it though. Yeah, if you, I mean, if you if you slice and dice up a gigabit or a ten gigabit connection amongst a thousand users. You, you know, you're eventually going to have some problems, aren't you? Oh, for sure. I mean, d- different ways of, of squeezing data into those signals and, and compressing it and doing it by time and amplitude and, and all the other various ways they do radio. There's still, you know, one pipe, one medium, uh, and, and there's there's only so many ways you can slice it. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to this sort of stuff. It'll be interesting to see, you know, exactly where it does fit, how it serves a country like New Zealand where we have, you know, a population that is really mixed between being in, in urban areas and rural areas. Uh, one of the challenges with 5G is that you do need to get pretty close to people to, uh, to really make it work. So, you know, just exactly how far and how wide that'll be able to be uh, rolled out. But... Um, uh, you know, I'm, I'm quietly pleased that this sort of testing is going on and you know, hope we'll get some insights into the realities of 5G. We you know, certainly heard the hype of you know, 10 gigabit uh, connections to our mobile phones and <laughs> you, know, you start imagining that and you think, wow, well, what, what won't I be able to do and why would I need a fibre connection? But uh, yeah, I'm sure uh, the realities will be, uh, will be somewhat different. They will, but yeah. you know, at the moment, I'm I'm on an ADSL connection. I, I've got fibre; it's a wee way off. Um, fibre's not that far away from me physically, um, but if if they could extend that fibre network with something like this, if it could only reach two kilometres, um, you know, that's a pretty good uh, in between time. If it could fill in two kilometres of people that can't currently get fibre, get them up to those speeds while they wait for fibre to be deployed. Um, that's that's only a win as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. There are there are certainly scenarios where wireless is is pretty handy, whether it be um, um, you know 4G or whether it be whatever next generations um, that we can we can get. And there are those scenarios where a bit of fibre gets cut too, right? So oh, yeah. it's nice knowing <laughs> that there's something good to fill in those those gaps for uh, you know for short term scenarios um, one of the uh, one of the team at gorilla today I, I heard has uh, has some issues with his home internet connection I don't know exactly what's going <laughs> on um, but the the opportunity for him to take a uh, you know, 4g LTE router uh, home so he can get some connectivity um, at the drop of a hat is uh, is rather handy really yeah, it's, it's, it's good to be able to have that to, to drop in there. Mm. Um, it's amazing, though, if you do lose your internet, uh, how much you find you rely on it these days. Yes, that uh, that's something that I'm I'm a little bit curious about. I'm about to go on holiday, and I kind of I kind of like this thought of going on holiday and being disconnected from uh, from the outside world. Um, but then there's the fear of missing out, isn't there? Well. <laughs> Yeah, yes and no, but I, I guess there there is there is there's often content that I do want to sort of pull down and so on. So yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how I go. I think I've I'm going to have about three gigs of of data um, for the family over um, 
over eight days is what I'm going to. Uh, I'm going to be in Rarotonga, so okay. Yeah, it'll be. It'll be, and they've just launched a, a 4.5G mobile network there, but they have the challenge of very limited connectivity from uh, the Cook Islands to the outside world. So you pay you pay quite a lot for your data. I think what they offer you the SIM card for, you can basically pay for Wi-Fi around the same price. So yep. you can buy three gigs you know, over Wi-Fi for, uh, for about $50. So it's really all about the, the data there, the medium of how you get it, whether it's over, over LTE or Wi-Fi, doesn't, uh, doesn't make too much difference. They're still on a satellite, I believe, to, to in and out of the country. There, there was talk of one of those Pacific fibres stopping in there. Yeah, a fibre optic cable going there is... I can't remember what the figures were, but it was well into the tens of millions of dollars to get them a fibre optic connection. But you do wonder about locations like that. If we look five or ten years out and their performance hasn't increased much, just you know how limiting that would be uh, on their economy. You know what yeah. what would you not be able to do? And when the rest of the world has got so used to really really fast speeds, we're not necessarily developing the sorts of mechanisms that will uh, will you know make it super easy for them to uh, um, you know to operate well without that performance. So. Uh, yeah, I think I think they're pretty uh, they're pretty keen to get a fiber optic connection in place. I'd say so. Um, all right, now moving on to um, on to other topics. This week we have seen the launch of uh, a new online community here in New Zealand, Travel Talk NZ or Travel Talk dot NZ uh, is the URL for it. Um, that was a project I initially uh, started under another name a, a few years ago, but um, Ended up um, teaming up with a bunch of a uh, bunch of other people who have really made it happen, um, and uh, yeah, today was the uh, the launch day. So, are you a bit of a you a bit of a traveller, aren't you, Regan? Um, yeah, I love to travel. I've, I've got a, a family holiday booked for uh, Vietnam and Cambodia, which I'm really looking forward to. Um, I also travel for work as well. And um, you know, over the over the years, I've I've kept my uh, ear to the uh, to the travel scene, I guess. Listened, uh, you know, from places like uh, Gigzone uh, about the tips around airpoints. Um, you know, I've crunched the numbers around travel insurance and credit cards and and things. So, I've, I've yeah. I've always enjoyed a, a bit of travel and, and what goes with it. Oh, good stuff. Well, hopefully you'll be contributing to the community. Um, so the, the community, um, uh, the other founders are Mauricio uh, Freitas, who runs uh, Geek Zone. Uh, there's Steve Biddle, that quite a few people in the tech community will uh, know for his ob- obsession with uh, uh, with Seat 1A on uh, on Air New Zealand flights. <laughs> yes, <laughs> very much loves. so. <laughs> um, and Adam Jobbins. So, um, yeah, all uh, all people that have been uh, involved in, uh, in Geek Zone's online community. Uh, and, of course, my, my background in that space in the uh, early 2000s was launching WorldDJ.com, which was a... a pre-Facebook uh, social network that we grew to about 300,000 members. So, um, yeah, between us, we've all got uh, you know, a fair bit of experience with online communities. So it will be interesting to see whether uh, there's the the interest in this yeah. uh, this sort of community locally because, there there, of course, there are there are global sites, right, that, uh, that cover travel. 
Um, but I think there's also an opportunity to create something that's quite focused on uh, on New Zealand travellers. So, yeah, well, I mean, a community of, of New Zealand travellers and, and a forum for New Zealand sounds like a, a, a great thing. Um, and you guys have got some some pretty high powered uh, people behind it that uh, that know their stuff about travelling. Um, I think uh, you know Steve Biddle, for example, who probably knows more about airpoints than uh, than most of the people at Air New Zealand do. So, um, absolutely, yeah, <laughs> it's going gonna, it's gonna to be a great resource, I'm sure, for for, for people to to you know learn the ins and outs of of travelling and insurance and credit cards and all those things that go with it. Yeah. Well, there's all sorts of uh, there, there's all sorts of challenges. I think you mentioned, uh, um, you know, before around you know uh, you know buying travel insurance versus what's on your credit card. You know, you often get sort of some free travel insurance, and you know the varying uh, gotchas that can be associated with some of those sorts of things. So, um, yeah, there's. Um, there's definitely a few gotchas. I mean, some of them require you to buy all your travel before you're covered. Some of them you just need to do something, a purchase while you're traveling to be covered. Um, you know, other ones will cover you for rental car insurance, but not unless you take out all of the extra uh, excess options, which you know becomes to the point where you might as well just buy a chauffeured car because it's so expensive. Um, and other ones will cover you without doing that. So there's lots of, um, yeah, it's not easy. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, I think looking at the tech community, we've got certainly a, a bunch of people that travel a lot to locations like the US for, you know, there's there's obviously a lot that happens in the US from uh, from a tech perspective. Um, but you know, a lot of us just like to travel for all sorts of reasons. So, yeah, I I certainly hope that um, you know we'll get the right sort of uh, the right sort of input and 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 feedback to build you know what over time will become a uh, a really useful community. So uh, yeah, so that's something if people want to uh, want to sign up, um, we're doing a giveaway on there for people that sign up in the in the first few days a. Uh, uh, Tripit Pro subscription, uh, which is a pretty pretty handy little uh, um, thing to have. So yeah, well worth jumping on. Um, it's just traveltalk.nz. Uh, I think if you go to traveltalk.co.nz, it will uh, it'll get there as well. Um, it's just landed today, so um, you might have to go direct to the URL. Uh, it'll be you know, probably a few days before that sort of comes up in all your your Google searches and. Uh, do you still use Bing? Does it, do Microsoft people use Bing in New Zealand? Uh, I, I use Bing. Okay. Um, yeah, uh, I use Google as well. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I, there's, there's different things which uh, which it's just good for. Um, but uh, Bing's actually quite a popular search engine, um, especially in the US. Um, you know, in New Zealand, it's it, you know it, it went down the Alta Vista route in the early days, and somehow that turned into Google. Right. Um, but there are still you know quite a lot of people in New Zealand that are using it as well. All right. Um, so talking of Microsoft things, maybe you can give us a little bit of an update of what's happening in the Microsoft world. Um, two things I'd be, I'm particularly interested in hearing about. Um, Windows Creators, Windows 10 uh, Creators Edition, which has just sort of landed, and we're, we're kind of now uh, in that time where a lot of people will be waiting for the update. Some uh, of our audience certainly will be on the Windows Insider program, and so yeah, they've been using the, the varying iterations of it for, uh, for a long time. And you know, this it has been a well, not a long time coming in a, in a traditional sense where we waited, you know, three years between operating system updates. Um, 
but yeah, it's it's been you know quite a long time since the initial uh, versions to, uh, were out. Um, also, I'm interested in hearing a little bit about uh, the Imagine Cup because that's something that you do each year, and um, that's just swung around uh, recently. And you know, we've had uh, New Zealand. Uh, you know, finalists and, and winners and so on. So, yeah, keen to hear about that. Cool. Um, yeah, well, if we just um, kick off with the Imagine Cup first. Um, um, yeah, the Imagine Cup is a, is an event that we have for uh, for students every year where um, teams around the world will go in and um, compete, um, compete in their local countries and then compete on the world stage. Um, it's kind of like a start-up weekend for, for, for students um, where they'll get together teams, they'll come up with a concept, um, they'll generally build out that concept and build out some business models to go with it um, and then present it and you know each country gets the the chance to compete on a regional level um, and send a team up to Seattle for a final um, so in New Zealand you know we had um, quite a few teams we had um, 12 or 13 teams I think initially from um, all over the country not 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 from any one specific place um, but there were quite a few from from Auckland University as well. Um, and we saw a bunch of different ideas there. Um, one that was um, that I thought was really cool was somebody had built a uh, an app on a mobile phone um, that you could have sitting in your mobile phone holder in your car, and it would be tracking your face, looking to see if you're paying attention, you know, drifting off um, or checking your blind spots as you should be. Um, they kind of pitched that as a as a solution for learner drivers. Um, I know you know cars these days. Have I, got can, all this I tech. can think of a few experienced drivers that could use that type of technology. <laughs> yeah, um, you know, new cars are going to have some of the stuff built in, but you know, your, your 15, 16 year old learning to drive is probably not going to be. I mean, maybe in the parents' car, sure, but you know, when they get their own car, it's probably going to be an older car that doesn't have this in. So, yeah, you know, I could see a use for for tech like this. Um, we had another team that built uh, you know gamified travel, which sounded kind of cool. Um, and um, you know we, we, we've got a lot of students in there, so there were solutions um, about uh, group cramming for exams. Um, and in fact, this, the, the team called Group Cram actually won the competition here, um, and they're off to Seattle to to represent New Zealand and and um, you know hopefully take out the the international prize. Um, and one thing about New Zealand is um, you know we always talk about how we're um, you know there, there's something special about this country. Um, there, there definitely is. Every year since this competition started, we've sent a team overseas up to Seattle um, to to or, or to wherever the final has been held. It hasn't yep. always been in Seattle. Yeah. Um, and one of the years we had one of our teams take out the the worldwide event, which was pretty awesome as well. That's pretty impress- impressive. But we're kind of used to Kiwis doing well on the global <laughs> stage, aren't we? So we sort of, it's yeah. just our expectation. <laughs> like you know, we should be the the All Blacks of whatever wherever, right? <laughs> well, yeah. Um, but it's pretty cool to see, and um, you know, it's great to see students getting in and doing some of these projects as well, and, and getting involved and, and learning. Um, it's actually quite amazing seeing you know, the sort of projects that, that students can do and pull off. And you know, if you've been in IT for a while, you kind of look in over your shoulder, you'd be thinking, "Well, I better I, I better start learning some new stuff because there's some pretty cool stuff coming down the wire." Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's uh, that one of the mobile phone that's uh, checking out whether you're awake and so on uh, sounds good I think I was reading you know just recently about one of the autonomous or vehicles with an autonomous capability and maybe it was the Cadillac uh, that had that type of thing so you know it took the approach of actually doing facial recognition and working out whether you've got your eye on the road or not 
Yep. Uh, so uh, yeah, I mean, I'm looking forward to all that sort of tech. But if there are if there are in between bits, so we don't have to throw away all our old cars, um, yeah. That's, uh, yep. that's that's pretty handy too, right? In fact, I had a situation this morning where I'm sure an autonomous vehicle could have done better than me, <laughs> and uh, I was I was coming out of an intersection just around the corner from the office, and there was a car parked on the side of the road, and I guess directly behind that was a vehicle that was was coming in in my direction. And because it was behind that vehicle, I looked and thought, no, there's nothing coming. I'm good to go. And I started moving out. And uh, and and then this guy came into visibility and I came into his visibility. And uh, the driver <laughs> looked, uh, looked um, hmm, not very happy at me, put it that way. I mean, I, I was only... Um, you know, a meter, a meter out or two into the road, so it wasn't really a problem. But uh, um, you know, but I think he looked at me as I was a complete <laughs> idiot. Um, but you know, it was just the fact that I couldn't see. But if you'd had the technology that was watching the whole time, it probably would have seen him before he'd gone behind the other cars. So yeah, all of this technology is good as far as I'm concerned. It is, yeah. And uh, and and tell us about um, the Windows creators edition cool so windows 10 um creators edition is is what it's called um it is called the creators edition for a reason there's a whole lot of new creative focused um features and content in this edition um but let's just make it clear it's not just for creators either there's a whole lot of other stuff in there that's you know for everybody else um for consumers and for business coming when we roll this out to to um, our business branches as well um, but when we look at the creator side, um, you know, one of the one of the cool new things uh, is uh, we, we've got a, a new 3D paint tool that's in there. Um, I don't know if you've had a play with it, Paul, but um, I, I, I played with it you know, a few months ago for the yeah, first yeah, time. Yeah, I remember seeing a little while back. Yeah, yeah. So it's it's a lot of fun, um, and 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 it's not just fun though. Um, it's actually quite practical because you know as we're going forward now. Um, we're talking about virtual reality. We're talking about mixed reality with you know, mixed reality with Hololens and Windows mixed reality. Um, this is bringing a lot more of a 3D canvas to to what we're doing in tech. So, um, you know, bringing this paint 3D and and other 3D aspects to the operating system, it's it's not really just a gimmick. It's it's you know, it's leading somewhere. Um, I don't know about you, but I'm pretty excited about this uh, 3D and holographic and virtual and and, and the mixed reality. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I th- yeah, I think there's there's interesting stuff going on. You know, I guess sometimes it's hard to get excited about these updates because you've seen all the bits and you know when you've been on say Windows Insider program, you've you've actually seen most of the bits and pieces being rolled out over quite a period. But um, you know, that's I guess that's the two sides of of that coin of giving people that early access to yep. taste those new features ahead of launch uh, for those that are willing to sort of take the risks of you know maybe. Uh, their computer not working uh, perfectly when you're running those earlier versions, sort of pre, uh, you know, pre, um, you know, full full launch. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's been some really cool cool things that are you know that have been in the update, and uh, yeah, now people can start getting it. So, what is um, what's the the details in terms of people getting it? Because obviously, 
it varies between just you know general consumer access and then in a you know in a business sense getting your hands on it so uh, you know run, run us through how that uh, how that's going to work in terms of getting it i mean we're in this brave new world where windows now has those sort of continuous updates and we're going to see another update and i'm sure you won't tell us exactly how many months time but you know you know sometime i'm i'm picking in the next sort of uh, 6 to 9 months there's likely to be another another update I see you nodding, nodding, nodding there. Well, we've, we've kind of talked about um, you know the, the the cadence of updates for Windows um, going out, and and we have these major releases like the Creators Edition, uh, like the Anniversary Edition before that, um, which is when we will you know, pile in new features into the operating system, and then we'll have the time in between that when we're continuously you know releasing updates and, and patches and, and fixes and things as well. Um, How long ago was the anniversary edition? So the for consumers, the anniversary edition went out in August last year, August 2016. Okay. Um, about the second or thereabouts, I think it was. Um, so we've been about eight months there between, uh, between releases. It is. Yeah. yeah. And then um, the way that it happens is we, we put these releases out. Um, obviously, the Windows Insiders have had their hands on it and been helping to refine it even over the last few months. Um now that it's gone to what we call our consumer branch um, so everybody with a consumer Windows 10 PC um, they will get this automatically um, they might not get it straight away there is kind of a, a, um, a phased rollout so um, you know, not everybody gets it on the, on the midnight of the night that it's rolled out uh, if you really want to do that there is a way to go and force that um, you can actually download a, um, a USB and from, from the Windows site to to, to force it into that, but um, yeah, you've been able to do that for a, for a few days, haven't you? Yeah. Um, but there, yeah, there there seems to be a little bit of method in that madness, though, of not allowing people to get it immediately. And it seems similar. I think I had this discussion with Joe Belfiore mm. um, when when he was here in New Zealand, go, going back a little way around Windows Ten, and at that stage, anyway, the the, the commentary was that well. Some um, some computers actually won't be as reliable with the new update. Initially, there need to be a few other tweaks and so on. And behind the scenes, you guys are uh, are working on those things. So when you get it on your, you know, laptop or tablet or PC or whatever um, via the automatic sort of cycle, it should be uh, should be running pretty smoothly by then. Is that is that sort of still the the line of how it's how it's going to work? Yeah, well, I mean, when you think about Windows and testing, um, you know, we do a lot of testing internally. We've got a lot of branches of, of di- at different levels testing internally. Um, we've now got this big army of Windows out insiders um, who are also you know testing these updates with with a variety of different um, computers, hardware, and bits and pieces. Um, when it goes out to you know, the rest of consumer land, um, it's gone through quite a lot of uh, of work and testing and bug fixing, um, but it hasn't hit every single combination of hardware. I mean, one of the things with with Windows and, and Microsoft is um, you know we don't dictate that you must have these four pieces of hardware. There's you know it's a bit of a mix and match for for a lot of stuff. Um, you can build your own PC, so there's going to be instances out there where people are using something that they've built, um, maybe there's an OEM machine that hasn't yet been tested. If this lands on one of those and telemetry comes back and says it's not going great, um, you know, we have the ability to slow down that release to, to people with, with similar hardware or machines until we can maybe you know, fix or address this. Yeah, now you've got 10 million Windows Insiders now, right? Or, or at least 10 million. I think that was announced a couple of weeks ago. So 
that does mean that there should have been a you know a, a pretty uh, pretty solid chunk of testing sort of pre-launch. Definitely, which, uh, ma- I guess makes things a bit smoother and means you've got a lot of data now to actually be able to make those decisions in terms of you know who should be at the front of the list in terms of getting it, who's got the systems that work you know really really well, and uh, the ones you might be a little bit cautious about will be you know prodding um, hardware manufacturers or driver providers or whoever um, to uh, to sort out their software or something to make it work a bit better. Is it something like that? Um, yeah, definitely. I mean, the Windows Insiders isn't going to be a perfect sample of the whole population either, though, so you know, we're not going to cover everything. Um, but we're certainly, you know, with 10 million insiders, uh, you can you can do a lot with that, and um, you know the quality is is pretty good. Yeah. Yep. Um, okay. That's cool. That's cool. Um, well, thank you for the update. Now, are there any other um, any other bits that we've we've missed that we should have covered in there? So, so we were just talking about the creators updates coming out for consumer at oh, the yes. moment. Yep. Um, so, if you are a consumer, you're running consumer version. It, it will come to you um, over the next um, you know, several weeks. Um, or faster if you really want to push it. Um, if you're a business, though, you're not necessarily going to get it straight away. If if you have an IT administrator that has configured your computers to be on a business branch, um, then this release is not pushed out to the the business branch at the moment. Um, I don't have a date to tell you when that's going to happen, uh, but if we look back to the anniversary edition, you know, the anniversary edition was released around August for consumers, um, that was followed by a pretty much the end of November release for the business branch. Um, so, you know, cadence-wise, um, look for something kind of similar, but but you know, it could be a little bit shorter. It could be a bit longer. Yep, yep. Um, now, one story that's come out in the last few days is around um, NSA leaks, and um, that's been you know pretty pretty big in the news. So we'd be uh, remiss not to mention it. Um, so yeah, some pretty interesting uh, stuff going on there, and there are certainly there are suggestions that the NSA um, may have sort of had their hands in the uh, um, banking systems in the Middle East, so that they could uh, keep a little bit of a watch on uh, on what's going on, um, and also that uh, they may have had some um, some cheeky little unpublished. Uh, exploits and windows and all this stuff has sort of been been uh, laid uh, laid bare and is is now accessible um, so that was the initial news but um, since then um, Microsoft have been saying that uh, actually those um, uh, potential security vulnerabilities that uh, that were leaked it sounds as though they've already uh, already sort of patched around those so um, people shouldn't maybe be uh, be too panicked about that but um yeah. certainly it's a good reminder to be keeping things up to date and and i guess uh um you know a little bit of um a, a confidence booster for the approach that microsoft have taken with windows 10 of kind of you know uh, pushing updates on people yeah that's right because um, uh, there's two sides to that right there's some there's some good and there's bad, some bad to it but from a, a yep. cyber security standpoint it's uh it's generally pretty positive yeah from from that cyber security standpoint you know we've we've um we've spent a lot of time with windows 10 you know building out that security story um with this latest release um you know there's a whole lot of improvements to defender um, windows defender which sits under the covers and helps protect you um, one of those things is uh, you know in memory 
detection. Um, they've got technology in there that helps stop those ransomware attacks. Um, and, you know, like you just said, the, um, the NSA leak, um, apparently Microsoft was notified in about January. Um, they had a fix out for that vulnerability um, before, you know, this came out and before the leak came out, which is, which is a pretty cool story in, in this case. Um, so yeah, definitely. I mean, doesn't always doesn't always work out that way. Does it doesn't it? always. Yeah. No. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, there's some some other devices and things out there that have still got no fixes. Possibly never will have fixes. Um, I don't know. There was uh, there was there was talk about a dishwasher with a web server that could be hacked the other day. Why a dishwasher has a web server? In it, I have no idea. But you know, <laughs> well, some, there's some good lessons from for us from a cybersecurity perspective. You know, aren't there that uh, yeah, you really have to look quite quite broadly um, in order to keep things somewhat safe. Um, but you know, in, in reality, you can't be sure that uh, there's not going to be an issue that crops up yeah. tomorrow that uh, that could be an issue for for a lot of us. I think if if you're connected to the internet in some way, uh, you really want to stay up to date with patches, fixes, security. You know, if you're running antivirus, make sure that's updating. Um, Windows does a pretty good job out of the box of, of you know, defending against those threats as well. Yeah. Um, but um, if, if you could elect to not take those updates, that's when you could put yourself in a, in a precarious, potentially mm. precarious position. Yeah, I was in an interesting uh, discussion with, um, with um, a, a group the government put together um, last year, and we were talking around you know some of the, the the biggest threats, and you know most of the cyber security issues that we see uh, that impact New Zealand businesses uh, tend to be you know the basic you know really quite basic things like you know patching computers you know keeping them really up to date uh, not giving people access to administrator accounts <laughs> you know really quite simple stuff um, yep. so you know getting that basic stuff right is important um, on a New Zealand perspective actually um, last week uh, New Zealand government launched the uh, the cert locally um, so you can find that at uh, cert dot nz so um, yeah it's going to be um, it's going to be interesting to see how that actually plays out in terms of how they uh, help uh, New Zealand individuals and and businesses deal with cybersecurity types of of issues. Uh, I certainly think there's there's going to be some really positive uh, things having uh, the government more invested in this uh, in this space and uh, and you know making a, a really uh, a firm commitment to help protect uh, New Zealand against cybersecurity issues with the uh, the launch of the the cert the. Um, there's, there's some other initiatives around as well. Um, I know for, for um, that the, the New Zealand government is looking to help you know, build security experts out of New Zealand as well. Um, so there's a lot of work going on in that area to see you know how that could happen. Um, at the moment, you know, where do we get security experts from? Uh, there's there's a lot of people overseas that we need to bring in. Um, but you know we, we've got some talent here. We need to figure out how to develop it and and make more of them. Yeah, no, it's that's a good a good point, and you know I think um, cybersecurity certainly isn't something that we can just uh, sit on our hands and uh, and hope that it will go uh, go away. Uh, but for anyone that is interested in uh, in cybersecurity, uh, then yeah, worth a, a look just to see what's going on with the um, 
the the CERT, um, which I think initially stood for uh, Computer Emergency Response Team. Is that right? That's, I think so. that's my yeah, memory. Yeah. Yeah. And I've seen in fact I've seen that referenced in regards to um, to the CERT as well, although it, uh, um, it it's not always the um, the explanation given these days. But um, yeah, well that's us for this episode, I think. So thank you, Regan, for uh, for joining in on the New Zealand Tech Podcast this week. Thanks for having us. Excellent. Well, uh, thanks everybody for uh, for listening. Uh, you can keep up with my updates online, uh, paulspain.com, uh, to get my newsletter. Um, also, I started last week with, in addition to doing the New Zealand Tech Podcast and the other bits and pieces I, I do in the media, a little uh, weekly three-minute video. Um, so um, that will be a very short, snack-sized uh, take on uh, on a, a tech or business or uh, a topic that sort of crosses both of those. Um, l- on the last edition that's uh, just come out on uh, on Facebook, uh, I talk in a, a little bit about um, what's happening in the world of Mac versus PC and um, uh, Apple sitting on their hands with uh, with up with updating uh, Mac. So um, it's a you know very quick touch on a topic that we did discuss on uh, on last week's tech podcast. Uh, but if you'd like to find that, you can follow me on Facebook com slash Paul Spain. All right, see you next week. The New Zealand Tech Podcast, brought to you by Gorilla Technology, proactive and strategic IT.